Nowadays, introducing the original Blood Clad Podcast, not BS. Tune in semantic. Special dedication all the way from New York. Boom! Yeah, man, SWOT semantic. Yeah, man, oh. Boom! Soothing semantic. Yeah, man, Big up, sir, man. Soothing semantic. On another episode of Soothing Semantics, I'm your host, Rafi Pinsky. Today, we have Stefan on the show. How's it going, brother? It's going great, man. Is it Stefan or Stefan? Stefan. Stefan. Appreciate it. Beautiful. Okay. Stefan, how's it going, man? Dude, it's going excellent today. Happy fucking Sunday. Yeah, man. Happy post-Halloween. It's November 1st. It is. You think COVID's going to be over soon? No. I just don't know if the election thing is gonna be is a factor because everyone seems to think so, but uh, I feel like the election is a COVID of its own. Exactly, it's a pandemic. That's what I'm own. waiting to be over. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's, a, it's an absolute comedy show. Um, I'm ready for the end of the year. I think everyone's ready for for next year and what next year holds. It can't get any worse, right? Dude, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess everyone. I think everyone's thinking that, but it definitely can. It yeah, definitely we just, can. We just have to brace ourselves. Remember Kobe died at the beginning of the year? Yeah. That was the first omen. This is this is literally a, a series of, um, well, it's a series of unfortunate events, but it's also a Final Destination movie. Well, technically, we are all on a Final we're Destination. All, it's insane, dude. It's yeah, wild. We are the uh, Brotherhood of Death. In fact, you know, I didn't mention this to you earlier, but probably one of the number one things that I think about is death. Dying somehow comes up for me daily usually on purpose though cultivating an awareness of death um has been said to be one of the greatest ways to have an appreciation for being alive to improve one's experience of being alive mm. i think about this too i think about it a lot i uh i saw a quote i've seen this several times on social media you're going to die one day how are you not running toward your dreams Mm-hmm. You only get one chance. Mm-hmm. You know, th- we have this concept of the afterlife. We don't know if it's true. I would like to mm-hmm. believe it is, but who knows? Without absolute proof of that being the case, why in the world would I not do the things that I want to do? Steve Jobs says it in that famous Stanford commencement speech yeah, I've that seen he it. has. Knowing that he's going to die. Um, what was the ex- I'm trying to remember the exact quote. Um basically gave him the confidence to never felt like he had anything to lose because we don't Mm -hmm. and i agree with that everything that we think about whether it's you know how do i look on social media um how do i look in front of the girl that i'm going to talk to for the first time or you know should i go after this new business should i become a realtor should i move to a new place all the things that we think about that we might consider as being like something that we care for getting wrong or messing up Mm -hmm. none of that stuff matters in the end we die so true it's so rational dude but so many people don't have that rationale to be able to put all the all the bullshit aside and say why does it make a difference ultimately but we have all of these things that cloud our judgment it's just so funny how in actuality we're gonna die dude it's so Mm -hmm. it's it's such a and it's not something that that 
it's something that I think scares most people. I don't think um, it's easy to say. I mean, I haven't been in a position where well, I've I've come close to dying a few times, to be honest. Where where have you been close to dying, Rafi? I've been. Uh, it was it was uh, during the military. There Word. were a few. Yeah, there were a few instances where I almost lost my life. Thank God I didn't, and I'm still here. And uh, we'll go into it at some point. But that really took away the fear of death, ironically. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that if there was something, God forbid, some sort of you know disease or anything like that. Hopefully, God will. God forbid that doesn't happen. But I don't feel afraid to die. Yes. And I think the more fulfillment you have in life and the more you do, the more action you take, the less of a fear you'll have because if this is the end, it's been a good ride. It's been a good 26 years. That's a great philosophy. Right. Um, To expound on that, there's this one quote, you know, one of the surest signs of a life well lived is being okay with dying when death comes, not being surprised or being okay. Mm -hmm. And that's another one that I'd like to think about when death comes, not just not being afraid of it, but being okay with it. Are we living right today through our actions that if death comes, you don't say, wait, 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 I need one more year because I'm about to do this thing. I'm so close to doing it. I'm so ready. That's what I want to avoid at all costs. But like you said, it it doesn't even matter at that point. Like you get, you get that extra year, but you're dead. I mean like, uh, huh. Like how do you, it's it's a weird it's a paradox I think it's, yes because it's, it's you want that extra year to accomplish more but you're accomplishing more to die anyway so does oh, it really, wow very paradoxical in that case yeah, so yeah. does it really make a difference ultimately no take me now you, you know what I mean? <laughs> but as so long as I mean if you feel that you'll you'll have make you'll make an impact on the people around you giving being given that extra year possibly that that extra year could be worth it. I think if you've had a fulfilling life up until now, that extra year may not make such a difference. But mm-hmm. I guess it's subjective. It's it's interesting. You know, Rafi, I want to want to take this chance now that we're kind of on the subject. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I've focused so much of my thinking time on, my journaling time, just thinking time, is what kind of life do I want to live, and really thinking about how big of an impact does one want to have, you know, kind of like forecasting into the future. That was a great, that was a great. Thanks. Well done. Well, I'm going to edit that part out. Go on. Really? Yeah, really? No, no, never mind. Go on. So, (laughs) so as we've, as we like forecast into the future and we think, okay, man, not everyone does. I realize that not everybody does, you know, longer forecast, but, It's just something that I'm drawn to doing. I'm drawn to looking 10, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, because I feel like a lot of the decisions that I think about now, I kind of try to always think of where does this take me in 10 years or 20 years? You know, even with a new relationship, I think long term as well, you know, I'm like 20 years from now, what does this look like? And to not get too deep or too personal on something that not many people care about, you know, just personal life. But there are certain things like if you're in a relationship, you see red flags like 10 years, 20 years. Those red flags are like those are those are big things that come up later. Anyways, Um, one of the main things that comes up is impact. How much impact do I want to have? You know, do I want to have this? These are one of the unanswerable questions. Is it better to have the simple life of, you know, what we see as being more traditional or, you know, 
do we want to go to the other end where it's massive impact, where you're reaching millions of people, where you're trying to touch the lives, be of service to as many people as possible or just a great amount of people? You know, Bill Gates has devoted his life now to basically the uplifting of people in really disenfranchised places. Um, Tony Robbins has dedicated a lot of his life, not just to people that he serves through his work, but also on feeding people who don't have enough, don't have enough food. Mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss is getting into donating money and stuff for psychedelic work because of his personal impact with, with psilocybin and then what he knows that can bring to people that are suffering from PTSD. I didn't know this, by the way, I didn't know Tim Ferriss was a, was a psychedelic fan. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he talks a bit about psilocybin and he's got a recent episode with esther perel where he talks about some childhood trauma and how you know certain psychedelics one of them being ayahuasca which we were talking about earlier Mm -hmm. um also something that helped him kind of do the healing bring him to a new place and tim is actually a guy that i followed for a long time really have looked up to him as well um and i can notice dude in the beginning of his podcast he was so left brain science still kind of like this who he was whenever whenever he started like now over six years ago i think and listening to him do podcasts today i can hear the shift in his spirituality being more open to it and he talks about how you couldn't even say you know anything meditation the universe anything that was woo woo the woo woo people oh you're a hippie and that's something that so many people I think reject because they don't want to get infected by it because mm. it's going to infect their thinking with this like lower level of thinking spirituality. Excuse me. Can you, can I, can I, uh, let me interject for yeah, a second. Please. I was one of those people. It's funny. I used to look at this, this whole idea of psychedelics and the spiritual, uh, and I grew up re- a religious Jew, mind you. So I always had the spirituality, but it was more of this grounded, your neighbors are religious, you go to synagogue, you, you pray, you go to Jewish school, yada, yada. And there's depth to it, don't get me wrong. Mm. But this is a different kind of spir- spirituality where there is no religion. Yes, right. Everyone connects no matter who you are. And I have felt as a younger person that this was somehow, like you said, it's like this lower level thing a bunch of hippies or hipsters wearing well not hipsters but hippies wearing this you know wearing a uh, an elephant shirt mm-hmm. with long dreads walking through a forest and to me i just thought that was a homeless dude yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean especially yeah. growing up a, as a jewish guy in a jewish neighborhood you you kind of look down on that in a way i'm not yeah. speaking for all people sure, this is yeah, yeah. this was my perception and the the older i get the more i realize that those people have this connection to nature that i never really had right i had this very urban city mentality where it was just about getting a good job or, or finding or opening a good business having a family and that's the end of it there there wasn't this depth that i now start to to realize exists you get what i'm saying yeah totally. so it's it's and i think it's so important for me at least to have both of those things uh, because i couldn't be the kind of person to be uh, only spiritual if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I also wouldn't want to be somebody that just has this business minded focus where I'm, where I wouldn't want to just be this business oriented person that can't 
get to the spirituality of things because I, I, you, when you start to question what the point is of all of it, why do I need a million dollars a year? Right. What's the point? Right. But if I can actually come to a spiritual understanding and, and like you mentioned, impact, well, if I make a million dollars a year, what will I, what can I do with that? Is, right. is, is the million dollars the goal or do I simply want, do I want wealth? What will the wealth give me? And if I can see that in a spiritual way, it's a lot more appealing and it has a lot more meaning. Well, dude, people, people want to amass wealth. I, so I hear. So you hear. So I hear. Um, no, I'll, I'll ask people, I'm like, you know, how much money do you want to make? What's the reason that you want to make this amount of money? And a lot of times I hear something like, um, you know, I want to create this legacy. I want to leave something behind for my kids. How many kids do we know that come from money and they end up getting fucked up? How many people that went to a private school, I went to a public school for, for high school, and I'm glad I did. I feel like everyone that I talked to that went to these private schools, there was, there was already cocaine. And yeah. there was already, it was like college, but in high school, and people going home and doing crazy stuff. And I wasn't a saint, obviously, but I feel like it was another level of, I don't know, in a sense, like kids running the show and like just feeling almost like apathetic might be the wrong word but really like no rules no boundaries really that exploration um so i don't even know if having money for your kids i feel like ultimately it can corrupt kids if they have a lot of money early on they don't have they don't have to work for it we know the value the importance of having to work for money and that makes one take care of one's money as well it's so important that's also such a paradoxical conversation yeah of because course. it's it's such a hindrance in a sense to to be raised in a wealthy home yeah it, it, it really be. it can really fuck you yeah yeah it can you know and and as somebody who didn't grow up that way i want to build generational wealth but some, sometimes i stop myself and i'm like that might not be good for my kids yeah, yeah yeah exactly you know because they grow up with a they grow up with a, a beautiful clean home they have a maid cleaning up for them yeah, they, yeah. They're, they're they're used to luxury dude imagine having a kid that was like i don't wash dishes um we have a maid for that don't we and then you're like hey you got to wash dishes i would hate to have that kid i can't but that's <laughs> Can your you but that is your fault though that would be your fault that would be my responsibility so i i strongly believe just knowing who i am i would not allow my kid to to, to talk that way because i'd be disgusted yeah of course but uh, i don't right, know it would be respectful i just like dad i don't do that and <laughs> it do that dad and i'm just like well you you're going to do it kid you know what i mean like I, so this is a pro and a con i mean th yeah. this this we can go. I'm not going to go off on a tangent much, but I okay. much, but I do like uh, what Kiyosaki says from Rich Dad Poor Dad, okay, yeah. and he really just talks about the idea that uh, poor people, you know, from poor homes, they have a poor mentality. So I want my kids to have a rich mentality and a, and a wealthy mindset, but I want them to be able to understand scarcity. Yes, and also to respect people that are, that don't necessarily have it. Right. If they're in, a, in, if if my son or daughter opens a business without my without my monetary assistance, they have a you know God willing, I will become very successful yeah. in in my in my endeavors, and I will instill that in my children, and and I won't they won't have to piggyback off of me, and 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 I won't have to spoon feed them, but I want what. I don't want to give them monetary value necessarily, but I do want to give them a, a sense of confidence that they can do what they want to do. And that I'm perfectly fine with doing that. I want them to have, right. That's huge, huge. But at the same time, if my son or daughter opens a business and they hire someone to clean the, the office, 
it's vital that they treat that person with respect. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, most wealthy kids, I don't have a percentage, but many wealthy children, they feel better than, and they simply feel that they were born into the, this predicament they were born into. Exactly. And they're, and they're important. It can't exactly. It's right. this the ego corrupting the mind of somebody, especially someone young, the ego just takes over and says, um, I'm more important than this person because I have money. So you haven't been able to get to that level where you have an understanding of life. And that's one of the issues when like a child just gets too much information at once and they don't exactly know how to deal with it because they haven't been through enough of life or mm -hmm. seen enough of life. I mean, us being older than we were when we were 21 makes a huge difference in our understanding of how we see things or how we interact with people or, you know, how we can be extremely humble being next to somebody that has a lot or has a little, that's something that we cultivate with experience and understanding of, of life too. Sure. Right. And a child doesn't necessarily have that, um, that luxury of time of experience. Um, so yeah, the ego corrupts people all the time and people stay corrupted of course, because mm -hmm. they get into a bubble. One of the things I wanted to mention when you were, when you were talking inspired the thought, you got to get kids out to another country to see what it's like in the rest of the world. Like get them out of the bubble. If you're living in a bubble, Cush Aventura, going to the nice school, driving in the nice car, get them out, you know, or even take them to New York or take them to Israel, right? So we do that, actually. Yeah. We have this, I mean, you're Jewish, but you might not have grown up in that environment. No, yeah, I didn't. We have a thing, especially in New York. I mean, you have it all over the world. After high school, Jews will do a gap year, mainly in Israel. Sometimes they do it in different countries. I have a friend that went to a, a gap year program in, in Italy, actually, which is very cool. And you'll have some people that do that. Most people go to Israel for at least a year. Some people do several years. And they do this Jewish, you know, Jewish private school in, uh, in essence. And this is an opportunity before college to live somewhere else, live out of their parents' house. And it's very beneficial to a lot of people. Yes. And I personally did it before the, the military. I, I gave it a shot. And it expanded my mind tremendously. Right. And I didn't have an easy, easy childhood. I had a great childhood, not an easy one, but a great one. Right. I have to say, love it. So yeah, my grandmother is an incredible person. So I can't. That's it's as simple as that. I can't sit here and bitch and moan that I didn't have a good childhood because yeah, yeah, I absolutely yeah. did. It. Same. I lacked money. We did not have money, but I had everything else. I, I really it. did. So, uh, but other than that, you you were just talking about the gap year. Oh yeah, yeah. So the gap year, <laughs> we uh, it, it, that was that was a very eye opening experience, and it gave me. Uh, it, it it opened my mind to to doing different things other than the classic, finish school, get a job, marry someone, white picket fence, golden retriever, yada yada yada. <laughs> I really understood the importance of finding my own way, and I'm continuing to do that. And I think that that gap here was was a major foundation. Mm. So mm. I, I completely agree with that. I think it's very very important. Yeah, getting people to reframe. And I mean, how many people can benefit from traveling even in their 30s, 40s, 50s if they haven't, if they haven't been to more than just the national parks or which people should go to. Mm. I think we end up going to like cities and trying to do like other vacation stuff or want to go to Europe. Nature is one of those great places to connect. Mo moving off the subject though. But I wanted to one more thing though, oh. real quick, because we were talking about this. I love to travel. I don't do it nearly as much as I should though. Okay. Yeah. The, the tough question is when you're somebody that wants to be productive and travel is so important and leaving your comfort zone is so important, going to a different country and seeing how they live is so important. How do you know when to take off and say, okay, I've worked enough. 
I need to go and travel. I need to spend that month, those two months, those three months. That's, I think, this is something that's hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. And I try to, I'm, I'm trying to work on that balance. But right now, in the, the current place I'm in, in in my life, I, I have decided not to go and travel and vacation. For me, it's I'm in work mode. Yeah. And I want to be doing that for the next little while yeah. until I have certain things that, are, that have been achieved. But it's hard. You get sucked in. Like, I like to work. So I know that if I start seeing some large successes... I'm not going to want to take off because I'm going to be right. like, well, if I take off for a month, that's a month I could have been hustling. That's right. That's right. And then you get lost in the work, the, the workaholicism of things, if that makes sense. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely, man. I and was in, I was in startups when I got out of college. I left college with a startup. Right. And I thought, I was like, I'm going to make millions of dollars before I'm even 30 so that then I can figure it out. Kind of like you put it off. You're like, I know that life is going to be so much better and easier if I have money earlier rather than later. That's my mindset. To That's be the mindset. It will keep you from doing things that you probably should do. Right. Not because, not because you won't go do it. It's because you won't want to later. There are certain things that right out of college, I was like, I really want to do this, this, and this. Um, I'll give you an example. I wanted to go on this thing called um, the Yacht Week, um, which is just, just like booze cruise, but on yachts in like Croatia, you know, I came across in college. I'm like, Oh, this would be so cool Hmm. today. Even if somebody invited me to go on this yacht week thing, it's like house music, EDM, you know, very frat stuff that I'm not exactly into today and things evolve. So you might not have the same interest down the line that you're putting things off for. So, you know, I make that as an example. It's a cheesy example. I almost don't like using it. But it still holds true. We don't know who we're going to be later on when we're 30 and or 35 or even 40 because people, we can put it off and off, you know, farther and farther. So when we don't get those things done, like the travel, the chill travel or whatever it is, sometimes they just never get done or they'll never get done in the space that, you know, is kind of open for you at that time or in the moment. How do you know, man? That's that's what's so that's the fuckery of it all, because. I think it just depends on who you are. It depends on what, what your priorities are. Because every day I spend working, I could be spending in a beautiful country exploring and learning about different cultures. But every day I'm in a country exploring and learning about different cultures, I could be building a life for my family and not have to stress in my 30s and 40s and 50s. Right. So it's so difficult. And I think ultimately there's no right or wrong answer. That's right. You just have to come to terms with yourself and say, what is most important? Is traveling right now the absolute, or is working hard now so I can I have more and sh- sh- and hopefully stress less, and then travel, and it's it's hard because I want both, man. I wish I was right. I wish I was wealthy right now and I could just travel the world and everything would be blissful and everyone's like, well, yeah, Rafi, so do we. Like, okay, great. But uh, I my conclusion for me is that I'd I'd rather put the work in earlier. So when I'm married and have a few kids, uh, work isn't work doesn't have a control over me yeah i can right. go and at four o'clock in the afternoon pick up my kid from school still like you know pick up my eight-year-old daughter from school yeah. and take her on a fun little outing because i can because i have the finances to do so and money doesn't have control over me mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. and that's something i have to be conscious of and i can go to my kid's soccer practice and do all those things but um, you're thinking far into the future, man. I do that, man. I do. That. I know. I get it. Yeah. I'm a man I mean, that likes to think into the future for sure. But yeah, but that's, that's what I, you'll I, never know. Right. It's, it, it really stumps me, man. 
because I think about it and I see people going on vacations now and going on these 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 trips, and I'm like, maybe I should be doing that too, but then I'm like, no, I don't. I feel like I need to do what I'm doing. There you go. That's your answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard though, dude. It's really hard. Um, one one thing that that came up that I absolutely love. I I think about it. Right, just you know, kind of a criticism about America. In Israel, exactly, they take a gap year. Not only do they take a gap year, but they work, save up, travel for like a year or two years, depending on how much money you saved up, mm-hmm. and then you go to college. So people are going into college at like twenty five. Yes, and. You have so much more of an understanding of who you are, maybe what the world needs, and where you could be useful. I think that's a really great trajectory, other than the out of high school, into college, out of college, into work, into work, and more work, more work, more work, more work. That's America. That's America. Yeah. And, and, and We're a machine. Oh, we, yeah. We are a machine, like a capitalist machine. Unfortunately, I just wasn't aware enough, you know, I'm going to raise my kids differently. I was not aware enough that there were all these alternative routes in a sense because hmm. you really just thought of I just knew the next step after high school was I got into a college I got into Florida State and I applied to like three colleges got into two and I was like, all right I got the next step figured out got to college didn't really know what I wanted to do hmm. but that was kind of I knew it was just like okay this is the next step and at the end of college I had, knew a lot more I knew that I didn't want to necessarily just get a corporate job or something. That's why I chose to go into the startup route. But it's this trajectory that is laid out that everybody seems to just be, thinks that they have to follow it, right? And so it's great to get that, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, how money can corrupt kids. And if you take them out of where their bubble is and bring them to other places, they can get a better sense of the world and not let their ego run away with an inflated self of importance just by having more money than somebody else and thinking that you're inherently more valuable or more important than other people. It all ties, I guess it all ties together. A hundred percent. It's, it's weird, man. Cause you, we talked about Israel. I lived there for a few years. So yeah. I see the difference America has, and this all comes down to what your, what your essence is. Are you a more work driven person? Or are you a more, Family oriented, I don't care about money, I'll live, you know, as long as I have enough, I'm good. And enough is relative, but is subjective, but enough meaning wealth is of no importance to me. So in in a country like Israel, I I can say without question that Jewish people generally care about finances. It's just ingrained in us. (laughs) It just is, man. I don't care if it's what it sounds like. People are like, yeah, they, they sure do. We do. We, we value education and a lot of us want to make money. It is how it, it is what it is. In Israel, Israeli Jews, as opposed to American Jews, they don't have the means to make as much money, even if they wanted to. It's much harder in that country to make the kind of money that American Jews can make. Mm. It's also a newer country. Mm. American Jews have been building generational wealth from other countries and then came here and continued. Some didn't. Some had to, came with nothing. Many came with nothing. But it's easier to make money here. It's a, it's a capitalist society. And in Israel, it's a lot more socialist. So yes. with that being said, I think Israelis have... that that haven't left israel and and prefer to stay there are the kinds of people that they don't care if their car looks like shit they don't care if they live in a in a little dinky home they enjoy the little things they enjoy the little moments yeah, and there's nice. a, the one thing i love about israel is the sense of community they have this powerful powerful family environment where 
a random person will invite me to their house. They have no idea who I am. They have no idea if I'm who, you know, I could be a threat to them. They don't know, but they just, I'm Jewish, they're Jewish. They go, hey, come come to our house for Sabbath, Sabbath dinner. That very, very rarely happens in America. People will do it. People do it, but not to the extent that they'll not do so it Not so freely. Yeah. They, and and they'll, they're just there for you. And they'll, we, we always used to joke about this, um, uh, all my American friends that have been there and done the, the gap year. In America, if you drop dead on the side of the road, someone will probably come to your aid eventually. But don't be surprised, especially in New York, if a couple of people just walk right by you. Yes. They'll assume you're sleeping. They won't know. There's yes. a million and a half. There's millions of people. Oh, okay. They, maybe he's he's sleeping. He's drunk. Who knows? In a place like Israel, they'll run right away. They'll grab you. They'll see what's going on. They want to make sure you're okay. Dude, in a lot of places. Right. A lot of places other than America. America's weird. Oh, it's not just Israel. I just I yeah, don't yeah, know, I know a lot of those I other understand. countries. But America's weird. America's very weird in that respect. Um, that's why people are, you know, upset with us. People are. I don't know. We're getting we're getting extremely corrupted. We're selfish, though. We're we're a selfish country. Deeply, deeply selfish. We we all come. We're 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 a melting pot of people. Then we're all in it for our own gain we're here to make a lot of money we're here to build this american dream for ourselves so the one massive thing americans lack is that idea of community and we we have it to some degree yeah unless you're in if you're in a small town if you're in a place like um you know i was watching uh dave when david letterman was interviewing um uh dave Chappelle. i didn't like he's like back in his like the town in ohio where he grew up okay and that's a small town you know the community's tight there everyone everyone will be you know friendly and like south florida isn't the south but around the south you say hi to people are saying good morning mm-hmm. and you know with their accents hey good morning and blah blah blah. people are people are nice you know you go up across places in america I, I really try i try to make it a point to not ever talk in absolutes about, or generalizations about america or anything because we're caught up of course in the perception of where we what we understand to say like people are this way today is a disservice to so many people that aren't right right beautifully Um, said thanks yeah (laughs) it was dude it was awesome yeah okay doesn't have to be complicated it was simple but i loved it okay yeah thanks um what should we move on to well you know you know we were talking about money um how much money is enough? We were talking about generational wealth. That's how we got on the kids. That's how we landed in Israel. Did how much money How much money does somebody really need to make to be happy? Oh, that's a good one. So for me, I... So, so the thing for me is I... For a large percentage, a large uh, portion of my, my uh, teenage years and my early 20s... Well, no, my early 20s, I was already money started to become very important to me. Mm-hmm. But in my teenage years, wasn't important. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I valued work. I was a waiter. I was working when most okay. of my friends weren't because cool. I needed to in order to really do the things my friends were doing. Cool. My yeah. grandmother did give me, she would give me some money here and there yeah. when I was a lot younger. Yeah. And I just knew if I wanted to do anything fun, mm-hmm. you know, like I wanted to go uh, take a flight somewhere, right. I would have to work for it. And... So I understood, I understood the value of money. I didn't, I wasn't so fixed on making a ton of it. I did care. Don't get me wrong. I, I did enjoy seeing the, the cash because at the time we weren't getting Venmo and quick pay and all that. I would receive 
dollars, which was awesome. I just loved the idea of just getting a hundred dollar bill or hundred twenty bucks. Of course, loved it. And I was a young kid for for a guy in his teens. I was making solid money. So, as time progressed, I noticed how so many people are in a predicament where money controls them. And what I mean by that is you can be a wealthy person where money controls you and you can be a poor person where money controls you. The difference between a poor person and a rich person in that situation is that when you're wealthy and money controls you, it's a lot easier to fix. Meaning it can be an extremely difficult habit to change, to to, sl- to lay off the brakes, to stop working as hard. A very right. difficult thing to do, but it's definitely a better place to be than if I don't make more money, I will be evicted. I don't have enough money to pay for yeah. my, my, my family's food. I'd much rather be in the wealthy person's stance to say, you know, my wife says, sweetie, we have enough money. You're working too hard. You're not spending enough time with us, right? And for a lot of entrepreneurs, that's, they, they're workaholics. It's an addiction. They love the work. So that's hard. But nonetheless, for me, I'd still rather be that guy. You know what I mean? Because whatever arguments I'm having with my spouse are probably not going to be as bad as, sweetie, we're, we're, we're literally going to be on the, on the street if we don't do something. You get what I'm saying? Um, I feel a lot weaker. I'm, I'm, I don't feel like a strong provider. So for me, it's so important to me to build strong, a strong financial, um, strong financial, uh, essentially to build Dude, strong. Dude, we're, we're men. It is ingrained in us, literally ingrained in us that if for a that if we're not that if we're not making enough money to provide, then our self worth as men drops hypergamy dude what is it hypergamy hypergamy. hypergamy no 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 what's that ah. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. so hypergamy is a term that i learned a few years ago actually okay. at a bar okay this yeah. bar this bartender uh uh taught it to me and it's the concept that women tend to date or marry uh upward of yeah. their social class sure and this is something that has been common since the beginning of time. Women obviously want a healthy looking guy. Ideally, they want a guy who's fit. They want all these things, but that's not the absolute priority to to most women. It's much more important that a man has himself figured out. He's driven, he's focused, he's stable. And she is confident that this man can take care of her and her children. And she won't have to worry that on some random day, everything will go to shit. And, as men, even if a lot of us can't accept this and aren't willing to admit it, I think we all subconsciously know how important it is. Mm. And to, to kind of just cut all the bullshit out of it, money is is vital. It doesn't mean that we need to make tons of it. Correct. But when we do have a large surplus of it, we have a lot more options. We feel very, very confident. You know, I can say for myself, you just, you feel... You feel like a powerful person. You feel like a man. You feel like you've done your job. You are you are in a you're in a position where you can find a suitable mate and provide for that suitable mate. And then, if you want to take it a step further and you build, uh, you know, you build a strong body and you're strong physically, that's another thing. So you 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 can protect you and your family financially, create a home for them, put them through, give them good education, put clothes on their bodies, feed them. And you're also 
in, in peak physical shape where if something happens, someone threatens your children or your wife, you'll take care of it. And you'll ha- those things are just so many peop- men don't have even one of those things. And then on top of that, you can build you know, strong mental stability. And when you, when you have that versatility, you are a very, very small percentage of the male population because most of the male population has maybe one of those things, almost never has all three. And at a young age, if you can build that and, and, and come to that realization and then continuously build on it and build on it and build on it, you'll still have setbacks. Your shit will still stink in some f- shape or form, but far less than your average person, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. Is, I think this mm-hmm. is an accurate statement. So, um, yeah, it's just to go simply back to money. Money is of importance to me simply because that will never be uh, – I never want the topic of conversation in, in a relationship or marriage to be – Hey, you can't afford it. We can't go on that vacation, Rafi, because you can't pay for it because we don't have the funds. I never want that to ever be a com- a conversation. Period. Mm-hmm. And whatever. It so, Rafi, I just have to point out you are so long term focused. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of this, what you've been talking about is like spouse situations and like the household, mm-hmm. which you have to be internally mature to be thinking in that manner in the first place, which is why it makes so much sense that you want to go like work mode. Mm -hmm. And, you know, your priority is instead of the travel, like we said, Mm -hmm. you want to be working because you've already got the long-term vision clear in your head. And you know that, like you said, you want to avoid situations where money is a problem or you're not even able to attract a suitable or the, the woman that you want because she's looking for somebody that can actually provide for her. I mean, I feel like that. I, I was reading Think and Grow Rich again. Mm-hmm. One of oh, the you fir- read it more than once? I'm reading it for the second and a half time or so. Or so. That's awesome. That, that was a um, phenomenal book, dude. Real quick tangent. What a phenomenal book. Guys, if you haven't read this book, read this fucking book. Phenomenal it, book. When I, Dude, it was the first, second, one of the first two books that I read when I got out of college and I started reading. I know we had talked about maybe touching on reading more. Mm-hmm. Um, was never reading books, and it is the single most transformative habit that I have taken on in my entire life, other than meditation, um, to inspire both maturity, the acquisition of knowledge, and inspire confidence, all sorts of things. Is the number one tool that I've found has improved my like stake as a person not just a man a human being Mm -hmm. um because in a in a book lies distilled wisdom usually somebody's best thoughts hopefully um that have ideally stood the test of time as well you're not reading things that just came out unless they're really good i love that i love that stood the test of time yeah yeah yeah. i see that in certain jewish religious texts there's some a lot Mm -hmm. of them to be honest i'm not going to speak for other religions but oh there's some there's some books that were written a few thousand years ago that are still applicable today. We're still going through the same things. Yeah. In, in Literally. Just in, in, just in the technolo- technological age, but they're so they're all applicable yeah. for the most part. Bro, thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. Like, that's something, like, if they were dealing with that then, we're definitely dealing with it now, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which is wild. Oh, yeah. People aren't so different. I think about that one and all the time. it's much fucking worse now, dude, because it's so much more accessible. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh, they, in a different country now. Dude, just slide in the DMs, quick snap. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, no. The... Um, Rereading Think and Grow Rich, one of the chapters is about um, when you consummate man-woman or partnership, um, you 
he basically says Napoleon asserts that everything that a man does and this is completely focused on men written in like 1913 or whatever it's like everything that a man does is to be is for basically the acquisition of a partner or for sex literally he says for sex and and I just, I, it got me thinking of it. And I'm like, you know, a lot of what I do in my entire life has literally revolved around being a man that could attract a woman, whether or not I wanted to specifically go and attract a woman. Becoming that man has been so important in part because one of the things that I think I've craved the most, even since teenage years or young age is a really good partner companionship like i've known that that is one of those things that i do want in my life sure dude imagine how shitty we would be if we were just doing it for the boys we would be slobs we would be disgusting we wouldn't care we'd be like whatever just women help us level up dude women women are the key driver for so much success yes dude this is why we build bridges and why we murder each other why we go to war yeah literally it's literally like i am a better soldier than you and only look at these old medieval movies it's all about attracting this beautiful woman we go above and beyond it's insane but they help us level up facts you know like they they come into your house and it looks like shit they go what is this why do you why do you have this and this seriously in in the bathroom clean up you know and this first first thing i see or first thing i say if i ever go over like somebody's place and it's messy i'm like oh you don't have a lot of girls here (laughs) (laughs) it's so true (laughs) it's so true this is we we need yeah that's the clearest thing women i think overall are much more organized than we are Mm -hmm. okay i'm not gonna speak for everybody some women are very messy some men are very organized okay there are exceptions but women have this this uh they're, they're usually a lot cleaner than we are you know, I, I think, and as far as keeping a, uh, an environment tidy, you're kind of looking at me funny. You disagree? Yeah, no, no, I don't disagree. <laughs> no, I just don't want to say too much. <laughs> Why not? Huh? Why not? Um, again, don't want to like make any generalizations or say anything. Re- oh, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I, I do think overall this is the case. I think so as and well. I'm definitely complimenting women here. Yes. Um, so we know. Right. I think it's pretty evident. But uh, we, we, we definitely, we definitely, hopefully, complement each other. Um, if we are the right fit dude they'll say the same thing if it weren't for them wanting to be fine and attractive mate then perhaps women would also not care and maybe who knows though man they might actually like build this amazing society they're like we don't have men we don't have to worry about this bullshit let's make (laughs) things beautiful let's make things that work ecologically maybe they don't kill each other as much as we do yeah but i think they need the assertiveness of men (laughs) I do. I think they need the decision making of men, and and you have women that listen. It's like, excuse me, I'm a boss ass bitch. <laughs> there are, but I'm saying like, I'm I'm not here to generalize, but Obviously. I think, I I think we both have our things to share. I think men are more, are more. Uh, you know, we can look at certain things, and you know, it comes to we have the old joke of going out to dinner, and uh, the guy you know goes, sweetie, what do you want to eat? And she she's looking at twenty different things and cannot figure it out. And this is something that I've experienced on several occasions. Yeah. And, you know, on a deeper level, I think men can look at a circumstance and have an easier time evaluating it. And it might not even be the right decision. We're just faster to just do something where they're, they tend to be more, they, they think it through a lot more. They overanalyze it. Sometimes it ends up being smarter and they're, and they're right. And they'll be like, well, we're always right. And then sometimes they're not, but it's hard to say. We're just more, and this is not something I'm pulling out of my ass. This is something that's been studied. You know, we're generally more the type to just jump in. 
and they they take a step back and they're like okay let's evaluate this let's think this through a little bit sometimes they think it through a little bit and make and it's rational and sometimes they think it through way too much and men are guilty of this too but this is where i think dude we need a shift we're gonna get crucified bro I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 saying this i'm not taking this out i love it this is where this is where this equilibrium comes in and this is yes. where we both need each other yes and if you're bitter and salty and you're like well there's no good men out there ah oh, there's no good men out uh, women out there well congratulations you'll you'll never find anybody but uh if you find someone compatible with you, we we help complement each other. Brother, that's such an important point that you just brought up. I don't want to dwell on it. Hmm. But if somebody's mindset is, there's no good men out there, the man I want doesn't exist, that external focus on the world not being the way you want it to be will never create it in the way you want it to be. No way. Especially since it starts within. Oh, no way. If you look externally to fix something that really should fix internally, if your view of the world is that there are no good men, you need to go inside, change the view. You need to open up your mind. Where where are the good men? Ask a better question. Or or why have I not been finding them? Maybe there's something about yeah. me. Maybe my shit stinks a bit or a lot of it, and I am not attracting the right men. Or I'm not a, I am not attracted to the right men. Maybe there's oh, something yeah. internal. And it's the same thing for men. Yeah, men totally. say I have I know several guys that have been like, oh, there's no good women out there. All the ones are good ones are taken. No asshole. You are probably not suitable. You are probably not in the in the place in life you should be to attract that woman you want. Dude, and men are lucky. We get to go younger. We get to go, we can go yeah, significantly it's, younger. It's, dude, it's a dope. It's dope to be a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on, just be, like the old peeing in public. That's it. It's enough. Right? <laughs> it's I don't need any other reasons, man. <laughs> I don't need any other reasons. <laughs> College days. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. Um. So sticking on the subject of, um driving force for male accomplishment or leveling up, et cetera, is women or sex. Um, what, one thing that's obviously important throughout this conversation, be a man that being a man that women want, but when you're not that man yet, I love thinking of it in terms of, um, a slow game, the slow play. You know, many women that have come into my life, they usually have served as some sort of motivation where I think, you know, she she doesn't see me yet. And you know what? I'm not going to falter for it because there are so many great men out here. And now I'm competing not just with people in my age group and younger. I'm competing with my age, every other age group out there as well. Anybody that somebody's at work with, somebody is, you know, seeing in wherever they're living, gym, apartments, whatever. So always conscious that you know if there's a woman that i really like and she's not seeing me i know where i want to be in my life and i'm so committed to being that person i know that there's very few women that wouldn't that i like that wouldn't be attracted to the man that i know i'm becoming mm -hmm. so to me i just call it the slow play if there's a woman that doesn't like me i'm like that's fine i'm just gonna slow play it because ultimately it's not really it's not really for them. They're, they serve as that motivator because um, it's not about that chase. It's not about like trying to get the girl. It's really about becoming the guy, mm -hmm. becoming that man and yes, not that instant gratification thing. Yes, dude. Because that's, that's getting veered off in the, in the road and trying to stop and trying to enjoy the sunrise from like behind a hill and really trying to get to the other side of the hill, see the sunrise correctly, something, something like that. And yeah, the more I the more I realize it's so evident, dude. It's so evident. 
so evident. I'm, I'm building this podcast and I'm trying to build my life and I'm, and I'm doing the real estate and they're both relatively new things and they're scary. And I have, and I constantly, uh, see things that I, that I'm not doing, uh, which then ties into what I wanted to talk about in, in creative avoidance, which is no matter how productive you are, you, it's very easy to, to take care of the more mundane tasks that, that may be, that may even be important, but aren't vital. And so define creative advo- avoidance. Well, creative avoidance is the concept people. that you're not necessarily doing nothing, but you are prioritizing less important tasks over tasks that are absolutely uh, vital at the current moment. So you procrastination. Know procrastination, but more of a productive procrastination, so to speak, which could even be worse in actuality because you're you're filling up that time you don't want to not be busy so you're, you're you're forcing yourself to be busy but potentially with things that really don't matter right now so this is where i'll push back for a moment go for it i know that i'm not a this perfect machine that never procrastinates because I procrastinate all the time it's been the thing you know i was reflecting on this the other day how in college, got the head rub. It's about to get intense. Dude, I was, it's about to I was get just intense. Like, dude, in college, I I was doing the the stupid the thing where you were cramming before the test because you hadn't been putting in the work consistently. You talking were about this pro- with Elena actually procrastinate. Yeah, yeah, about what cramming before it. But go on. That that whole that whole procrastination thing is something that nobody, no one I know personally has really mastered we're all working on it it'll come up in different ways we talked about a little bit before you know if we're really on point with our work then we might not be very on point with our body and just the place where our standard is lower where we will accept things being just okay or slipping a little bit and you're like i'll pick it up later that's the thing that you're okay with slipping slipping down or slipping away but the other thing that you're doing well on your finances your work or maybe it's your body or uh, a relationship if those are really going going really well that's where your standard is really high because mm-hmm. you don't want that to slip down etc so that's um, an awesome way to put it because you can't you can't have it all you can have you can have a, a pretty much everything you want but you can't have everything you just can't. You can't have all the time in the world with your family if you're building an empire, if you're building uh, building a business. There's going to be some times where you just you don't have as much time as you would have liked to. But if you spend all your time with family, you'll have you know you'll have no money. You'll have no nothing to to provide. You know, no means to provide for for your family and and you know. So there's there's that balance that needs to be put in place. But I loved what you said about knowing what's what what's absolutely important, and then if other other things slip away or fall in the cracks a bit, you're like, okay, that's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to have you for another episode, though. Sure, dude. Um, after my ayahuasca retreat. Damn, dude. Can we talk about that? Yeah, dude. It's, the, it's one of the things that I'm going to come out to the world and and re- would really love to speak about. Perfect. Consider really it done. love to speak about to the world. Consider it done. Okay, so let's wrap up. It has been an absolute pleasure, Stefan. Thank you, brother. Thank, Thank you for coming. You, Another episode of Soothing Semantics in the bag. I am your host, Rafi Pinsky. Stay tuned next Monday for another episode. Take care.